Welcome to the Awaken Podcast. At Awaken Church, we are passionate about wrestling with and being unraveled by the Christian scriptures. Ideally, we do this together around the table in the neighborhood of Bones. As we see it, Jesus has invited all of us to encounter him in a diverse community and participate with him in a mission of loving our neighbors. I have a thought for you on five verses in the book of Numbers. It's a very weird story, uh, a story often people are like, that's in the Bible? But I I think it's actually very profound, and as Amy demonstrated, um, Jesus refers to this specific story from the book of Numbers in John's Gospel in John chapter 3. So I'm just going to break the five verses into three parts, and it will be, it'll make sense to you, I believe. The first verse, um, the first section, um, is just verses 4 to 5 of Numbers 21. Um, it says, uh, They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. Impatient. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread. There is no water. We detest this miserable food. The key thing in this text that's different from any of the other complaint texts in Numbers is that the people are impatient. They've been in the wilderness for almost 40 years. They can taste the milk and honey. They are very close. They are on the, on the move. They're nearly there. And as you can imagine, the whole community has a different idea of how long it should take. Let's go. Let's do it. What are we waiting for? What are we standing around? Let's go. This happens um, in churches. You say, aren't we supposed to be doing something? Let's go. There's different understandings. The people grow impatient. And so in the next uh, two verses in the text, goes like this, and it's very strange. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes. This is terrifying if you've ever been afraid of snakes, um, which I have, because I've been surprised by them in my own bedroom from pets we had as teenagers. Anyway, the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. And so Moses prayed for the people. So there's a moment of truth-telling. I can only imagine. You live in this kind of wilderness camp. You're out for a walk. You get bitten by a snake, and, and, and it something bad is happening and, and you die. Or, or someone you're with gets bitten by a snake and they die. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a grandmother. Someone dies. This suffering is so great that it draws you to someone else in your camp and you say, my grandmother died or my, my husband died, my brother died by a snake and they maybe share their story. We had a snake uh, in our camp just this morning and suddenly the news travels and the community has to tell the truth about these serpents. And then... They all go, no, you can stay back at that text. Sorry, thank you, Sarah. You are on the ball. They all go together to Moses. And they don't know, um, um, they don't understand the snakes, but how many snake bites, how much suffering before they decide together to go and they say, perhaps we are responsible for this. Pray for us. It's a transformative moment for the community to come together. We are suffering, we are afraid, we are afraid we are responsible for this, and beautifully, we want to live. We don't want this anymore. It's huge to come together, tell the truth about the pain, 
tell the truth that perhaps this is our responsibility, perhaps this is our fault, and perhaps we could do something about it. Perhaps we don't just stay and wait and die. Remember, they're impatient. They want to go. They want to get into that promised land. They want to live. And so they go to Moses, and in an act of community and an act of humility, they say, we want to live, Moses. Pray for us. And so Moses prayed. And the last two verses of the text say, The Lord said to Moses, I want you to make a snake and put it up on a pole. And anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole so that when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. It's so strange. Why would it? Take the thing that we're most afraid of. There's these serpents, and you can um, research the, the type of serpents that exist in the Sinai Peninsula. There's several, and they're very venomous. He puts up, and, and God tasks him with this, on a pole for the whole community to see the image of the very thing they're terrified of. It's not an image of like a sunrise or uh, maybe an image of like an angel or an image of like someone praying or like a dove, something that would give us hope. Um, it's that you have to look at the thing you're afraid of. The cure, the cure is not a prayer. Uh, it's Moses' prayer, and this is the answer to the prayer. But the cure is not go home and say this prayer. The cure is not a certain potion, a certain medicine. It's not um, a certain thing you have to do. The cure is to look, not just passingly glance at, but look intentionally and intently at the very source of the wound. The cure is to look and face your fears. And it's profound because in so many ways the community has already done this exact same thing. In the wilderness, this whole um, last 40 years has been one of facing our fears of scarcity. Facing our fears of one another. Many of the complaint texts we've already encountered in Numbers has been afraid about who's in charge. They've had to face their fear of abandonment. Is God even with us? Is God even with Moses? Face their fear of rejection. They've had conflict and war around every turn. They have very much a fear of conflict. Maybe we do too. A fear of uncomfortable conversations. A fear of your neighbor. A fear of being left behind. A fear of, of death. A fear of failure. The community, this whole wilderness school, this place of learning has been a place to learn um, about facing your fears. So I believe this text demands that we pause and ask, what are we afraid of? And do we as a community have the courage to look that thing in the eye? The Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. And then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. And we know, actually, you can read in 2 Kings chapter 18, that this bronze snake went into the tabernacle and, and then went into the temple and for more than 600 years was a part of ceremonial worship in the nation of Israel. It was in the temple. It was part of their, their, um, their practice. And um, King Hezekiah uh, removes it from the temple in 2 Kings 18. But what we have here is a community that comes together. 
They come together and acknowledge that they are suffering. And I think this is the invitation to awaken church that I um, would like to extend to you. We are suffering. This community all came together. They faced their fear together. It wasn't that you all got your own individual little bronze serpent pole that you all just had at home and whenever you had a fear, you looked at it and you were okay. The cure demands that you move towards the center of the community. In your fear, you could be scattered. I'm uncomfortable, this is scary, and go on somewhere else. Or go into your own private kind of spiritual place of connecting with God and you and God will find the cure together for that which is ailing you. This story suggests that Moses puts it up in the center of the community and if you would want to be cured from this poisonous serpent, you must draw towards this and that draws the community together. The community came together. That's facing a fear. The community went to Moses. That's facing a fear. The community asks Moses to pray for them. That's facing a fear that God does not answer prayers. And so Moses lifted up the serpent on the pole and they all had to move towards it. The cure presented by God is a cure that would bring the community together. This is not for individuals, it's for the collective, it's for the community. A scattered community is gathered together in truth-telling, in suffering, in longing to live. This text suggests that perhaps your healing and mine is bound together. Your healing and mine and those folks out there, our healing is bound together. As Amy read in John chapter 3, verse 14, Jesus says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have life forever in him. I believe I have an image. I looked for many different kind of artistic depictions of this scene, um, but it's very peculiar, this bronze serpent. Um, the medical symbol, even in, in Alberta at AHS, um, there's many different ancient mythologies around serpents on a pole. In Roman and Greek and Egyptian mythology, and even today in our healthcare system, you will find a pole with snakes wrapped around it. This is an ancient, an ancient uh, story that we have in our Bible, in the Book of Numbers, which is very profound. Um, and so Amy's going to come and lead us in a time of communion. And before that, I thought, well, what would be a, a story to kind of encourage people's thinking around this? Because I think this invites us towards action, and it invites us towards action together. I was reflecting on this earlier this year, probably back in April or May. Um, as you know, the elders at Awaken have been talking about LGBTQ inclusivity for about a year and a half. Oh, boy. And uh, as um, the elders have published uh, letters and emails to the church, uh, to the community, and, and we've prayed very intensely um, for this and about this, and I'm connected with many of you already. I was reminded a few months ago, and I, I have permission to share this story, um, someone uh, came to me and said, listen, I personally am ready, and I personally in my heart feel a lot of peace about being a part of a church that is fully inclusive. However, you don't understand, they said. Could we be, they, they kind of requested like, it'd be better for me if, if we were sort of just like affirming and inclusive, but like on the down low. Because if my parents knew that I attended an affirming church, I would lose my place. If my grandparents knew, my grandfather was a pastor, you see. If my siblings knew, I would be rejected from everything. 
Um, every social gathering would be awkward. Um, suddenly my relatives would post passive aggressive things on Facebook. It would just be really painful and, and awful. And, and I remember um, having a moment of just being able to, um, it was like a moment of clarity. I said, so what are you afraid of? Look at it, what's the fear? And the fear at the heart of it ultimately is a fear of rejection, a fear of exclusion, a fear of loss, a fear of uncomfortable conversations with people you love very much. And I said to them, well, you have two options. You could take that fear and be scattered by it. Or you could let it gather you in. I said to this family, and I believe they took my advice. They're here, so not here. I'm, uh, I mean, they're part of Awaken, but me, perhaps not here right now. Um, <laughs> they are very much a part of Awaken. I'm just not, you know, there's so many of us. Um, I said, you're afraid of being rejected by your family, by your father, by your grandparents. Be, you're afraid of awkward conversations at a family gathering. Yes, and this was with tears, like this is real, I feel it. I have, I have the same uh, uh, fear. And I said, um, is there a, an LGBTQ person in, in our church community that you know of? And they said, yes, I think so. I said, instead of distance yourself from them because they remind you of your fear, what if you went towards them? Tell them your story and your fear and then ask them to tell you their story. Ask them if they have any fear. Look at it together. You might hear a story from someone who's already been kicked out of the table at their parents' house. You might hear a story of someone who, whose grandparents don't speak to them anymore. You might hear a, a, a story from someone who, um, who is the awkward elephant in the room at family gatherings and they feel it. You might hear a story of loss, of rejection and exclusion, and you might discover that your fear and her fear are not so different. You share a similar fear. You have perhaps been bitten by the same snake. What if instead of letting what you are afraid of scatter you, you allowed your fear of rejection and abandonment and uncomfortable conversations gather you towards the healing that you both need. Perhaps you would walk together, and as Jesus invited us to in John chapter 3, you would walk and meet at the crucified Christ, rejected, abandoned, avoided. You might discover that your fear of not being included at the table and that person's fear of not being included at the table is the thing that has kept us apart. Your healing and their healing and our healing, the healing of all of Awakened Church, the healing of Boness, the neighborhood, the healing of Northwest Calgary could be there should we desire and have the courage to face our fear. The, the reason your parents would be angry that you go to a church that's inclusive is because they have a fear of their own. Perhaps it is time as a community we trust the invitation Jesus has extended to us and we face our fears. And so that's an example. I think there are also many other fears we have, fears of uh, COVID, fears of 
um, losing our jobs, fears of, of scarcity and, and, and many other things. But I thought that was an example that was real to where we are at as a community. And I think this text is inviting us to come together, tell the truth about what we're afraid of, and have these difficult conversations and trust that the same thing that has wounded you has also wounded me and we are not so different. So instead of letting our fears scatter us and isolate us and turn our backs away, I believe the serpent on a pole, the Christ on the cross, invites us to come together and look at the thing that we are afraid of. So let's pray as a community, and then we will be invited here in just a moment to gather together, drink blood, eat flesh. Surely this is a story of facing our fears of loss and abandonment and death, and by partaking in it together week after week, we acknowledge also our hope that there is a love that casts out fear, that brings together in one body um, all of us. So let's pray. To the creator of the heavens and the earth, to the one who has been here in this land since long before any of us, and the one who loves this place so much plans to be here, um, even when our grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren are here. You have asked us to look, to face our fear, and you have asked us to be gathered together you have asked us to be joined as one body in the breaking of your flesh. You rejected Christ, abandoned Messiah, excluded creator. We trust that in embracing your cross and being joined together by the gift you have given us and by practicing together the model of love you have shown us, that there is life eternal, that there is healing and wholeness and a place for all of us. We have hope in that. So give us eyes to look up towards what would heal us. And I pray that you wouldn't let us do it as individuals, but as one community together. I pray in Jesus' name.